0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Worship Center in Brighton, Michigan. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit faithworshipcenter.org. Tonight we're going to be continuing our teaching series on servant leadership. Amen. How many of you were blessed last Wednesday? teaching on humility, I really wanted to set the tone for this series with humility. I think that anytime you're dealing with leadership, it should be coupled with humility, because really, humility sets the tone for your leadership. Amen. We talked about how humility does not take away from leadership, but it really, it sets the stage for leadership. And here tonight, we want to talk about the call of God we want to talk about God's calling upon your life here tonight. And Jeremiah, I want to open up with Jeremiah chapter one, beginning in verse four. Jeremiah chapter one and verse four. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Would you pray with me here tonight? Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the laborers that you're raising up in your harvest field, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers of today, Lord. And Lord, we believe that you have given us a biblical example of leadership and what leadership should look like. And so, Lord, we ask God that you would open up our eyes to the great truths found in your word here tonight. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus, Jesus, mighty name we pray and everybody said amen Amen. and amen. Amen. The Lord said there to, to Jeremiah he said before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee and before you came forth out of the womb I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. You see even before you were saved And while you were in the nightclubs and you were getting high and you were getting drunk, the call of God was already upon your life. God had already called you before you were in your mother's womb. God already had a plan and a purpose, a distinct purpose for your life. Now, I believe that there are some whom God has sent, and then there are others who just bought a microphone and went. They just took off. (laughs) You see, leadership in the ministry is never a self-appointed role, but it's the Lord who does the calling and him who does the equipping. And the word of God gives us clear instruction on how we ought to lead the body of Christ. I remember so often working at the Bible college in Louisiana, people would call up the Bible college to inquire information. And they would say, when I come through the Bible college, am I going to be a pastor? Am I going to be an evangelist? Am I going to be a teacher? and we would tell them, this Bible college can't make you any of those things. That's between you and God. It's God who does the calling. It's God that does the equipping, but God just uses seminaries and Bible colleges to train people in the word of God and prepare them for whatever work that God has called them to in the ministry. Now, maybe when you think of great American leaders, maybe you think of uh, Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Benjamin Franklin. Maybe you think of uh, Ronald Reagan or other people like like Martin Luther or uh, Rosa Parks. Maybe when you think of uh, great leaders in church history, you think of uh, Martin Luther, you think of Charles Spurgeon, maybe you think of uh, William Seymour or Catherine Coleman. Uh, The world, they often, they think of Albert Einstein or or these vain philosophers out there like Aristotle and and Plato and, and Socrates. But the greatest leader of all time was Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Aristotle has nothing on Jesus. Plato's got nothing on Jesus. Socrates and Albert Einstein has nothing on Jesus. Jesus is the greatest leader that has ever walked the face of the earth. And it's really from Christ that we really get the greatest example of a leader. And we've really defined that best as servant leadership. Jesus was a servant Leader, He said, whoever wants to be the greatest among you, let them be the servant of all. We talked about how many out there will have business cards that say apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Some of them will have all five in one. I, I remember uh, preaching at a church in Brooklyn, New York, and my brother said, hey, uh, these uh, pastors want to uh, meet with you uh, after the service, and so I remember going in, in, the, in their office in the back, and then he had his associate pastors come in, and as they walked in, he Say, this is so and so, he's a prophet of God, and this is so and so, and he's an apostle, and and so on and so forth. You know, I think that if Jesus had a business card, it would say servant leader. Jesus, he was a servant leader. Jesus said that he came to serve. And so he's really the one that we get the greatest example of servant leader from. The one who gave up the expression of his deity, but he never relinquished the possession of it. He gave up the expression of it, but he never gave up the possession of it. He was 100% God and he was 100% man throughout his 33 and a half years on this earth. And yet he never came to be served. He came to serve. Now, some will teach out there, those who believe in the oneness doctrine, they'll say, that when Jesus was talking to the Father, you know, throughout his earthly ministry, they'll say that in that time that he was, uh, he was a man. And then they'll say, in this part of his ministry, he was God. And so they kind of go back and forth. He's God here, and he's man here. But no, God, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man from the time he was born until the time he ascended unto heaven. He laid aside the expression of his deity, but he never gave up the possession of it. Now I want to bring things right down to where you are here here tonight. You were born into this world to fulfill a specific purpose in your life. And my prayer for you is that you would recognize your unique gifting and calling that is upon your life. I don't believe in cookie cutter Christians, but I believe that God has a specific plan and purpose, a specific calling for your life. Now, one thing is certain that the call of Christ is always a promotion. If Christ was to call a king from his throne to go and preach the gospel to some indigenous tribe of indians that king would be elevated above anything he had ever known before if god was to take a president and call him to preach to some indigenous tribe of indians that would be a promotion that would not be a demotion you would actually have to step down from a call of god into the president of the united states office of the president of the united states if You are not called to be the president of the United States. There is no higher calling than the call of God that is upon your life here tonight. And so God has a specific calling for everybody within his body. That includes the men and that includes the women, that includes the young and that includes the the old. Nobody is excluded from God's divine purpose in calling. Now it's been well said that calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also of becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. I'm going to say that again. That calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also of becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. And so when you're answering the call of God, you may look at your life and you might say, well, I'm not yet uh, prepared to be a pastor. I'm not yet prepared to be an evangelist. I'm not yet prepared to be a teacher. But God has called you to begin to walk in that calling right now, whether you feel like you're ready or you're not. And it's usually when we feel like we're least ready that God throws, it, throws us out. So then we then, then have to depend on him and we then have to rely upon his grace. It's usually the people that think that they're all ready that are the least ready. It's usually the people that say, okay, I got this. I'm about to show everybody what's up. That's about to fall flat on the face. It's those who realize that they're in desperate need of God's leading and direction. And so each one of us has some kind of vocation. We are all called by God to share in his life and in his kingdom. Each one of us is called to a special place in the kingdom. And it's really only when we find that place that we will find true fulfillment. If we do not find that place, we'll never truly be satisfied. We'll never completely be fulfilled. And so for For each one of us, there is only one thing necessary, and that is to fulfill our own destiny according to God's will, to be what God wants us to be. Your greatest destiny is the plan of God upon your life and saying, God, what do you have for me? You see, so often people will say, God, this is what I want to do, but then I'll try I'll tie you in here somewhere. I'll put you at the end of my checklist. I'll mark off everything I want to do, and then I'll try to just tie that somewhere in. And God says, no, I want to create your checklist. I want to direct your checklist. I want to lead you and guide you every step of the way. God said through the prophet Joel that your sons, in Joel chapter 2 and verse, uh, I believe it's chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, your sons and your daughters. I think somebody out there needs to get this. Your sons and Your daughters shall Prophesy. How many of you know that God uses women in the ministry? I know some of the churches out there, they got it written in their church bylaws that God can't use women in the ministry, but just throw those bylaws in the paper shredder and pick up the word of God because God still uses women for the kingdom of God and to further the work of God. And the first evangelist in the New Testament was a female, it was a Samaritan woman after she came in contact with the presence of Jesus. She went back into Samaria and she said, come see a man. She was preaching about Jesus. She was leading people to Jesus. And so God, he still uses women in the ministry. And we're going to later on in the series, we're going to be talking about a lot of different women that God used in uh, the word of God. But you're never too y- too old. You're never too young. It doesn't matter if you're a man uh, or you're a woman. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Josiah, he ascended at, as king at eight years old, and Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. Again, Josiah was eight, and Abraham was a hundred. You're never too young, and you're never too old to be used by God. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12 says, let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called you by your name. Hallelujah. I have called you by your name. God has called you by your name. How many of you know that God knows your name here tonight? He knows how many hairs are on your head, and for some of them out there, it wouldn't be too hard to count. I think I could count them. Lord, forgive me. But he knows how many hairs are on your head or lock thereof. He knows how many pieces of sand are on the seashore. He knows how many stars are in the sky, and, and yet he knows your name. He knows every tear that you cry. He knows every feeling that you sense in your heart. He knows your name. He said, I have called you by your name. And he said, you are mine. Now, what I love in John chapter 15 and verse 16, Jesus said this. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and i appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that what whatever you ask the father in my name he may give to you amen. Yes, amen. you see in reality we didn't choose god god chose us amen. we didn't go to god when we were in the nightclub god came to where we were when we were bound by alcohol in the nightclub, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, convicted our hearts of our sin, and it was the Spirit of God. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit of God draws them, and so it was the Spirit of God that drew you out of your sin, the Spirit of God that brought conviction and led you unto Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation, hallelujah, you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. One of the greatest things about the call of God... Upon your life, yes, the call of God upon you to preach and and be in the ministry, that's wonderful. But what was even greater was when he called you out of darkness and called you into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. He snatched you out of the darkness that you were in and and he placed you in his marvelous light. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, that just as he chose us in him, it says before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God chose you before this world was even created. God knew your name and he chose you for a plan and a purpose. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I love the call of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. And what's amazing is that this, 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 uh, calling here really wasn't even directed specifically at Isaiah, but you could say Isaiah overheard the call of God. God said, Isaiah, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Hallelujah. Amen. Whom shall I send? And who? that same question is going out in 2022. God is saying, Who shall I send? who will go you see god does not call us based on our ability but rather our availability Are you available to be used by God? The Bible says that God is searching upon the earth to and fro, looking for a vessel. Hallelujah. Looking for somebody that he can use for the the kingdom and the glory of God. Who will go? Whom shall I send? And then Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Hallelujah. Here I am, God. Lord, wherever you want to send me, I'm willing to go. Here I am. Send me. The call of Moses is another powerful example of the call of God. And you see it in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of the fire of the mist of, of a bush. And that angel of the Lord is a preview of Christ in the Old Testament. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned and the, with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now, Moses, he would have seen many burning bushes throughout his lifetime. But what was interesting about this bush was it it was burning and it was burning and it was burning and it was burning but it was not being consumed. And Moses said, "I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt." And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, "Moses, Moses." And he said, "Here am I." And he said, "Draw near." Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, and the, if you want to call it parasites, you can, and the Hivites and the Jebusites and everyone else you wanted out of sight amen now therefore behold the cry of the children of israel is come unto me and i have also seen the oppression wherewith the egyptians oppress them come now therefore and i will send you unto pharaoh that you may bring forth my people uh the children of israel out of egypt and moses said unto god who am i that i should go unto pharaoh and that i should bring forth the children of israel out of egypt And he said, certainly I will be with thee. You see, God will never call you to do something on your own. He will always go with you. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. And when ye have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say unto me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Hallelujah. And he said, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. One more verse. And God said, moreover unto Moses, uh, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Hallelujah god said i want you to go forth moses and you see moses he had a he had a a stuttering problem he had a stammering problem And and he was afraid to be used by God because he said, God, don't you know about my inadequacy? And we're going to be talking more about the sense and feelings of inadequacy later on in the series as well. But he was saying, God, don't you know I'm insufficient? Don't you know I'm inadequate? I'm not like so-and-so. I don't have the same gifting as this other person, and I'm not a good orator like this other individual. I'm not as articulate as other people you might be able to find, but God said, who made man's mouth did not I the Lord now go and I will tell you what you shall say God was saying I will fill your mouth with my word I will show you what to say I will preach through you I will give you a word when you don't know what to preach I'll give you a word in due season I'll give you a word unto Pharaoh to stand up and boldly proclaim let my people go and God is raising up more people with that same kind of call who will go forth and proclaim to the devil let my people go there are so many people not only in the world but in the church that are in bondage and bondage to sin and bondage to self and God is saying let my people go hallelujah glory to God he's looking for a mouthpiece he's looking for a vessel Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 Paul said, "...I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service." And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, that, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I want to also bring you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And we dealt with this last Wednesday, but I want to deal with this again. And Paul said here, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, I want to emphasize that if you go back to verse 11, it said that God has given some to be uh, apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Now, there are some out there who think that you can teach uh, prophecy and they'll have uh, prophetic schools where they try to make everybody a prophet. The Bible said that there are some who are prophets, not every person in the body of Christ is called to operate in the office of a prophet. Now, I want to make a distinction between the office gifts spoken of here, uh, for example, evangelist. Uh, there are some who ca- are called into the office of e- evangelists, but everybody is called to evangelize. Everybody is called to preach the gospel to the world. You may not uh, be called specifically to travel across the United States and travel around the world as a full-time evangelist, but you can preach to those at work. You can preach to those at home. You can preach to those at the restaurant. You can preach to those on the street. You can preach to those in the grocery store. You see, everybody they want to wait for the pastor uh, to get everybody saved. But you see, uh, shepherds do not create more sheep they don't produce more sheep sheep produce more sheep but i'm a sheep just like you so when i'm not here and even when i am here i want to see more sheep i want to see a production of more people getting saved and born again through the power of jesus christ but it says that god has given some as apostles and some prophets and he and some evangelists now remember your pastor doesn't want to be a sheep i want to be a gazelle but it doesn't change what i want to be I'm still a sheep, and it's just I need to accept the reality, and I need you to pray for me, since I don't want to be a sheep. Sheep are stupid. Well, we won't talk about that tonight. Some apostles, some prophets, and the reason why I say this is because there are some who believe that that there are some who don't even believe in the fivefold ministry, and in fact, there was actually a, a movement. I believe it was in the 1600s or 1700s, that was referred to as an inner word doctrine. And they wouldn't have a, a preacher, a God called pastor or evangelist preaching. They would think, well, let's just come together uh, in, in a setting and then just some random person will get up and, and preach. And, and, you know, even uh, the Church of Christ, which uh, maybe I should do some teaching on sometime because... Uh, I think you would be shocked to know uh, some of the things that, that are taught throughout that organization that are contrary to the word of God. But they also do not believe in the fivefold ministry. They don't believe in pastors. They don't believe in preachers. or They don't believe in teachers and evangelists. They think that everybody's called to, to be in those offices. The Bible is very clear here. It says that God has called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, James chapter 3 and verse 1 says, My brethren... Uh, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Again, he said, Let not many of you be teachers knowing that we shall receive greater condemnation or be under a stricter judgment. And so James was basically saying that not everybody, uh, let's just be real, not everybody has the capacity to uh, explain the word of God in a way that's beneficial to the body of Christ. I I still remember, you know, in Bible college, they use different diagrams, teaching diagrams that will really help you grasp certain things. And uh, sometimes the diagram will have little arrows, you know, kind of, to kind of, you know, explain things. I remember one student, he tried to create this diagram, and literally the whole page just had arrows all over the place. It didn't make any sense. And he brought it up to Pastor Lauren Larson, hoping to impress him, you know, wondering if he could make copies and give it to the students. And uh, Brother Lauren said, you know, I think that's just something good to use for personal reference. (laughs) That was a, a nice way of saying absolutely not. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. But he said here, not many, uh, let not many of you be teachers, for we shall be under stricter judgment. And so those who teach the word of God will have to give an account for everything that you preach, everything that you teach. And that's why the Bible says to study to show yourself approved, that you might rightfully divide the word of truth. <clears throat> and so you've got to really study things out before you preach it to the body Romans chapter 12 and verse 4 says for as many for as we have many members in one body <clears throat> all the members do not have the same function or the same office again for as we have many members in the body <clears throat> not all members have the same. Office. Not every. uh, In other words, the hand does not have the same function as the foot. The head does not have the same function as the heart. We. All of it has its own function. All of it has its own purpose. And it's the same. The body of Christ is a living organism, and God is saying, although there's many members in the body, uh, not every member is called for the same. Uh, purpose. So your gift and your calling is unique from any other gifting or calling out there. <clears throat> you know, they have a certain technology in certain airports that's called iris recognition. Yeah. Basically, you just look in this thing and this thing scans your eyebrow, your eyeball and through scanning your eyeball, <clears throat> it's able to determine your eyeball because nobody else in the world has the same eyeball as you. Amen. Nobody else in the world sees things the same way that you do. Amen. Nobody else has the same gifting and the same calling upon your life. And can I tell you something here tonight that you've got to be careful what you share and, and, and who you share it with? Because as you know, the Bible said that, that Joseph that God had given Joseph a call upon his life. God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And the Bible said that he told his brothers his dream. And what's interesting is that nowhere in the word of God did, did God tell Joseph to tell his brothers the dream that God had given to him. And he told the wrong people at the wrong time. And he ended up in a pit because of it. You've got to be careful who you tell your dream to because those were his brothers, those were people within his own biological family that got jealous and so you've got to, some things are just better between you and the Lord. There are things that I feel God is gonna open up doors that God has opened up that I've just kept between me and God and it's been like that literally for years and some of those things I've recently began to feel a liberty to share with others but I think that you've got to protect the call of God that is upon your life and you've got to use wisdom with who uh, you share it with. God, he's got a plan, a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. One of the best uh, quotes I've heard for this is that whenever you're trying to be somebody else, then one of you is irrelevant. The original does it best, be yourself, be who God has called you to be. I've seen so often people, it's funny, I'm uh, in Bible college I would see it, somebody come up and they'd they, uh, be a perfect imitation of one preacher. A couple months later, they're a perfect imitation of another preacher. A couple months later, they're a perfect imitation. God doesn't want you to imitate anybody. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Uh, and, and, and what the, the church world needs today is people that are real. They don't need a facade. They need somebody that is genuine, somebody that is following after Jesus. And so if if you're trying to be somebody else and one of you is irrelevant, and I can tell you it's not the person that you're trying to be. Amen. And so be who God has called you to be. Recognize the distinct gift and calling that is upon your life. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can I tell you here tonight, God has called every single person under the sound of my voice to be a part of the great commission. You don't have to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher to be included in the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God has called you to be a part of that calling. Hallelujah. (laughs) Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, it tells us that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You know, you look at people who started off in church and they started off in ministry And raised up in a Christian home and they had a special gift. I often I think of Whitney Houston. I've, I've driven by the church that she grew up in in New Jersey, grew up in a Christian home, had a gift, and then she used it for the world. The gifting was there and the calling was there without the repentance. Even though she was not serving God and living in the world, the gifting and the calling of God was still upon her life because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The gift and the call is still there whether somebody repents or not. Now, I thank God for people like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, who they say uh, has given their heart to Jesus Christ. And even his wife is testifying that he is truly serving the Lord. And even uh, Mickey Gilly, who recently passed away, he he called up Brother Swagger uh, several months ago and told him, I've made things right with the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've made things right with God. And even yeah. if somebody spoiled their whole life and their gift and their calling throughout their life and they still have breath in their body and they called out to Jesus, their sins are washed away, God has taken away their past, and there is a new name <laughs> down in glory and they're on their way to heaven hallelujah glory to God hallelujah that's the kind of God that you serve. Hallelujah. The world might write them off, and they might say, Well, uh, they did this, and they this is what their past looked like. But God, He takes away your past, He casts their sin into the sea of forgetfulness. He gives them a new slate. They are washed, they are cleansed, they are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if they can't save somebody, like if God can't save somebody like Jerry Lee Lewis or Mickey Gilley, what makes you think that he can save you? We are all sinners in desperate need of the grace and the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Amen. You might look at celebrities and see... Their, their 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 sin and whatever the case the only difference between them and who you were before you got saved is that their life is under a magnifying glass and your life maybe nobody saw what was going on but god saw our need for his grace and god saw his need for our mercy and so god whether you're nameless or you're famous famous the grace of god is for everybody now somebody i think of when i think about calling in the word of god is peter And Peter, as you know, Peter was far from a perfect individual. Peter, uh, he, he, he did not have an impeccable track record. Uh, Peter was somebody that messed up. Peter was somebody that failed. Peter was somebody that made mistakes, but God did not give up on Peter. Now, when you see when Peter was first called in Matthew chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 18, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, In Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. Now, my two oldest brothers' names are Andrew and Peter. So whenever I read this passage of Scripture, then I always think of my brothers. Amen. Amen. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus said these words to them. He said, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. Now, I love what it says in verse 20. It says, and immediately... Straightway, immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. They were out fishing, they weren't serving God, and then when Jesus called to them and he said, follow me, the Bible says that immediately they dropped their nets. You see, when God calls on you, you ought to immediately drop everything, drop the sin, drop the the idolatry, drop the alcoholism, and follow after Jesus. There was no hesitation, there was no waiting, and can I tell you something here tonight? That delayed obedience is disobedience. The disciples... They heard him calling and immediately they left their nets and they followed after Jesus. Now, if anybody in the word had to deal with condemnation, it was Simon Peter. Uh, I mean, Peter, he's the one that denied Jesus three times. You know the story. He denied Jesus three times before the, the rooster crowed. Now, now I think from that point on, I think every time he heard a, a rooster crow, uh, I think that in his heart, uh, his heart was condemning him. You, you know, I, I think that sometimes we think that it's the devil condemning us, but First John says that when your heart condemns you, that God is greater than your heart and he knows all things. And so, sometimes it's not the devil condemning us. It's our own heart condemning us. And I think from that point on his heart was condemning him. I'm saying traitor, denier, liar, you're pathetic. You're a so-called preacher. But the Bible says that God knows all things. God didn't see that. God didn't see him as a liar and a denier and a traitor. But he saw a Pentecostal preacher in Acts chapter 2. He saw the man who would preach the message that would birth the church. But Satan was condemning and the roosters crowing every morning and every afternoon every time his heart was condemning him and saying unqualified and, and finally he he had all that he could take the condemnation was weighing him down and he couldn't take it anymore and you see the bad thing about condemnation is that condemnation it crushes your soul condemnation will gnaw at you And the devil is such a con artist that he'll put on the robe of temptation, and he seduces, and he tempts the people of God in a weak moment to do something that they shouldn't. And then after he's tempted them, then he runs into the dressing room and changes his wardrobe, and while you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, he comes out and he starts condemning you. He comes out and he starts pointing out your fault. First he seduces and he tempts and then he changes his wardrobe and then he comes and he accuses you of all your failures and all of your mistakes. Or he'll tell you that you can live your life without God. You You can live your life without Jesus And he'll try to build up the flesh, and then when you fall and you fail, then he'll go change his wardrobe, and he'll come back, and he'll say, look at how pitiful you are. Look at how horrible of an individual you are. And so Peter, he says, I'm done. He said, I I can't take it anymore. I can't handle the condemnation. And, And can I just remind you here tonight that condemnation is never of God. Conviction comes through the Spirit of God, but hell will use condemnation to drive you away from God. And Peter, he said, I'm Done. He said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. And here's why this message is so important. Because if you start listening to the voice of condemnation that says you failed, therefore you don't have the approval of God uh, because you've done something wrong. And, and instead of running to God, you run from God and you say, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to what I used to do. You see, that is exactly what Satan wants. The devil, he wants, to, wants you to give into the condemnation so you'll quit, so you'll give up on everything that God promised you. If Peter, he said, I'm going back to what I used to do before I met Jesus. And the Bible said uh, that the people that were with him, that they went back with Peter. And here's why this is so important. The, the Bible said that when Peter said, I'm going back to fishing, the others said, I'm going to go back with you. The reason why it's so dangerous to go fall into condemnation is because when you say, I can't take this anymore, and I'm quitting and I'm walking away, and you go back to what you used to do before you came to Jesus, not only are you walking away, but it affects the people within your sphere of influence. It affects the people. Around you. And so that's important that when you struggle, not if you struggle, but when you struggle and when you mess up and when you fail, that you don't give in to the guilt and you don't give in to the condemnation and you don't give in to the lies, but you know you are washed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that you are declared legally innocent in the eyes of God, that you are justified through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. And you, know, you see the restoration of Peter in John chapter 21 and verse 15. It said that it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of, Judah, of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. verse 17, and he said to him the third time. You notice that Peter denied Jesus three times. And so three times Jesus asked him the question, Peter, do you still love me? Every time you mess up, every time you fail, represents another time that Jesus is just asking you the question, do you still love me? Do you still love me? Do you still love me? And, And the Bible said in verse 17 that Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Hallelujah. Feed my sheep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 24 says, faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. You see, not only is it God who does the calling, but it is God who brings to fruition the call of God that is upon your life. Through the failure and through the mess-ups and through the man might write you off, but God will never write you off. The grace of God is there to pick you back up again, to get you back up on your feet, so you can dust off your feet and keep going forward in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah faithful is he who calls you who also will do it and so that means if he calls you he will also open up the doors if he calls you he will make a way he'll open up doors that no man can shut when he calls you he will make provision for the vision that he's given to you hallelujah he's the one who calls and he's also the one who does it now another amazing calling i think Is Paul the apostle, I won't hold you too much longer, but in Acts chapter 9, I want to take you to to Acts chapter 9, beginning uh, in verse 1. Acts chapter 9, uh, in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, verse 2, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. That if he found any of this way, speaking of Christians, whether they're men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. In other words, throw them uh, into prison. And he journeyed and he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined around him, shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? I believe this was Paul's moment of surrender. It was Saul of Tarsus becoming Paul, the apostle. He said, Lord, what will you have me? That's one of the greatest questions you could ask God. Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what you must do. Can I tell you this? Sometimes you just got to show up. Amen. Amen. Just show up. God didn't tell Paul at this time, well, uh, go, just go there, and there's gonna be, a, uh, you're gonna get a phone call, and they're gonna set you up to preach, and you're gonna stay uh, at the Ritz Carlton. No, uh, God didn't give him any plans. God just told him to go into the city. God just told him uh, to show up. Amen. I, I, amen. I remember uh, Pastor Gabe. He was telling me one time that somebody uh, came up to him when he was the youth pastor of Crossfire, and they, they told him, they said, God's called me to be here to help. And uh, he said, well, that's great. That's wonderful. And then the guy said, uh, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, just show up. And he said, it's been 18 years, and he hasn't seen him since. <laughs> you see, sometimes you just got to show up because out of sight is out of mind. And and, and God, he's the one that opens up the doors. And so you don't have to worry about what function you'll play or what, what part you'll play in the work of God. You just show up. You just go wherever God sends you, and God will lead you, God will guide you, and God will direct you. And so he told them, he said, go into the city, and it shall be told to you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the a hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there for three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink, and there was a certain disciple at, I'm sorry, there's a typo in this Bible, and every time I read this verse, I I recognize I'm going to have to request a refund for this, and there was a, it says, mine doesn't say certain, it says a serene uh, disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man in how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. And I love this, but the Lord said in verse 15, The Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel. He is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul... The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto you in the way as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so not only did Saul of Tarsus get saved, but God said, I'm going to send you right to Ananias, that not only will you receive your sight, but that you might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when you have been called to the kingdom of God, when you have been called for a purpose, you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if you preach. It doesn't matter if you sing. It doesn't matter if you greet. It doesn't matter if you don't hold any function in a local church body you've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit for wherever God sends you and whatever God has called you to do we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and so Paul the apostle he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit a couple more verses here Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 and 3 1 through 3 I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling uh, with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 2 Timothy chapter 1, singers and musicians can come back. Chapter 1, verse 8 through 9, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You have been called with a holy calling. Your call, the call that is upon your life, Paul said it's not from man, it's not by man. Man did not initiate it. Man was in no way involved with it. Your calling came directly from the Lord Man will recognize the call of God, but the call of God came directly from the Lord unto you. And not only did God call you, but I love what Mordecai said to Esther in Esther chapter 4 and verse 14, that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So not only has God called you, but God has called you for such a time as this. He's called you for 2022. Can I tell you something here tonight? COVID did not destroy God's plan for your life. Right. Nothing caught God by surprise. God has called you for such a time as this. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And now is the time to say, Lord, whatever you have for my life, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing to do what you have called me to do.